What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Legit Bat. We had the pleasure of having Crow Triple Seven on today. Ben, are you eating on the mic? That's disgusting. <laughs> chomp, chomp, chomp. He's muted. Nope, I'm sure not. Oh. Jesus Christ. At you least should you, bite your nails while you do it. At least you didn't burp into the mic. I've done that <laughs> on accident. Uh, on accident? I've done that on purpose. We all do that on purpose. Also, it's called chewing hands. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh. At least you're <laughs> eating food this time. Oh, fuck Jared, by the way. I was anyway. about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, Jared. So Nor we haven't been asking this for a long time because we just stopped caring about reviews and ratings, but we finally got our first one star. I was going to mention it. Uh, i got to pull it. There was no review with it, though. If you're in the Discord, you heard me talk about this already, but I'm not going to give it much airtime. But uh, to combat that, Ron from New England gave us a new review, and I haven't read that yet. Let me pull it up. Hang on. There it is. He says, legit bat is legit. Great show. Love the subjects and the guests. And that Jen has a hot voice. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he said he was going to talk about your butt. And then he's like, oh, maybe I should just say voice. <laughs> we Aww, love you, Ron. That would have been fine. Love Ron from New England. Yeah, Check him out. Wick awesome. Wicked Planet podcast. And you can hear his his uh, New England accent. It's retarded. <laughs> well, no, not his accent. It was just Joe is incapable of saying either New England or Ron without saying it's retarded. <laughs> it just goes hand in hand. Anyway, so we talked uh, to Crow about all kinds of stuff. I started out with space because that's kind of his uh, area of expertise. Talked about satellites and Jesus even, <laughs> which is... <laughs> <laughs> space, satellites, and Jesus. Yeah. Can't Ooh, go wrong with that. Name of the show. No, I don't know. <laughs> Next time I want to well, talk about his health stuff, the... Gerson method and the apple yeah. oranges and vitamins and things like that. Yeah, if you haven't checked out his show, he does all kinds of cool Super stuff. Uh, yeah. Not just space and conspiracy stuff, but he, he gets down to nitty-gritty nature remedies and uh, how to get out of traffic tickets. That was a great one. We well, talked and, about the, and, and what I really what I really liked about him was that anytime that he has a, a position on something, he brings supportive evidence to it. Now, make of that you know what you will or everybody's different but i i did like that i like that he has done so much in his life he has done it, it kind of like charlie in that aspect he's just it, he's a guy that's done so much in his life and it's like dude you have so many experiences that like have brought you to so so many different places it's crazy well yeah and to to get out the amount of information he has would take several hundred shows which he had <laughs> yeah. on his channel so check that out and if you haven't checked it out, uh, Shoot the Moon, uh, we're going to be lucky enough. He said he'd send us a key to watch it, and I can't wait to see that. I, get, I think it shows the lunar wave and a bunch of other stuff. So He said Exciting. it was on Vimeo? 
Vimeo on demand, I think he yeah. said. But you can check him out. He's crow crow777.com, C-R-R-O-W-777. And I think that's about it. But yeah. we're going to be on vacation this week, so this is the last show until Sunday, I think, unless we reschedule. But we're going to be in Las Vegas looking for aliens, if anyone's yeah. coming out. Maybe we'll do some live Instagrams. That's not something. really the reason we're there. But oh, we are a shadow band on Instagram, by the way, like a lot. <laughs> um, are you guys going to be doing any of the uh, touristy alien observation attractions? Like uh, Area 51 and stuff like that? Well, just like the dumb things. The, the, they, it, I wouldn't trust it anyway, but it might be interesting. I know that they do like little like tour guides to hot spots. I don't see, I don't think you need to. You just walk up the strip and you'll probably <laughs> see fucking aliens yeah. or, you know, at least weird humans. It's, I was just about to say, it's not nice to call them that. Oh, no, when I say illegal immigrants, sorry. Looking for aliens, I mean, oh. we're going to be going to the casinos at night when the kids are in their room and just looking for weird fucking people. Good. Yeah, you guys should. Uh, Would, you guys need body cams or GoPro or something. I, I want to look at the sky, but there's going to be so much light pollution. There's no way to look at the sky because it's it's real close <laughs> to Area 51. There's stars. probably weird shit flying around up there. Yeah, if we could get what out. Day, what day are you guys leaving? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay, we'll tell you guys come back. Friday. All right. Well, thanks to Crow for coming on and uh, taking the time to talk to our dinky little show. Uh, definitely going to have him back on in the future, but. For sure. Enjoy the chat, and we will catch you next time. See ya. Bye, guys. What I really wanted to talk to you about was space in general, because I love your take on space, and obviously you started with the whole uh, lunar wave thing. Ben's not familiar with that. He's kind of our resident, not skeptic, but our resident clueless bastard because he doesn't listen to shows that much. So if you could explain uh, the lunar wave and how you captured that and what you think that is, that would be awesome. Well, first of all, Ben, it's not visible from under a rock. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's actually a rude thing to say because I'm like you. I don't consume much media at all. Um, the lunar wave I accidentally filmed in uh, the fall of 2012. I held the footage for roughly a year and I was talked into kicking off a YouTube channel, which I never really wanted to do because I was a webmaster before that. I knew where this was all going. Um, but to describe it, if you took an old tube TV and an old VHS camcorder and filmed the screen, you get a rolling wave effect. Um, that's about the closest analogy I can make. The lunar wave always comes in pairs. And other than that, a lot of people have a lot of ideas about what it might be. If I had to do it all over again, and I don't, I'm not even sure who coined lunar wave at this point, uh, I think I would call it a firmament wave. I think that's a much more apt description because it has been legitimately filmed in front of Saturn, in front of Jupiter. Um, and so it goes to show at least where the ecliptic is or you know the path for the sun and the moon and the so-called planets um, it can be filmed with sufficient backlight in those areas yeah so what is it like some kind of an atmospheric thing because i know you have a different idea of uh, planets too you call them luminaries which i think is a great description of them especially since we we're really not sure what the fuck we're living on so <laughs> Yeah. Well, the people who wrote a long time ago had a pretty good handle on it, um, and I'm basically echoing uh, what they used to refer to what we've been told are wandering stars, planets. Um, where we live is a realm. 
Um, I think it was carefully encoded in the word we were handed planet. I think if you just drop the T, you're getting a lot closer to where we exist. Um, but all these things need to be proved. None of us have that magic Wonder Woman invisible plane. We can't go up to 70, 80,000 feet and have a nice look, can we? Um, but there will come a time when these things get proved out. But you led me in with something there, and I feel like I dropped it. Oh, uh, the lunar wave or? I don't know. I, didn't you just, you, you said, oh, the, you, you were talking about the, the firmament and the atmosphere. So to me, the firmament is provably a real thing. The Bible calls it a firmament. The flat earth community likes to refer to it as a dome. I coined the hard, fast barrier. That's how I see it. And basically, if you live here, you're tuned to here. No material that is tuned to this place can go through it. Maybe a mind in a dream or in meditation could go beyond where we exist. Um, but I think the flamel woodcut, you ever seen the flamel woodcut where little dude's poking his head through the dome? Just look up a uh, flamel woodcut, man sees space or something like that. And you'll see the little woodcut is a dude poking his head out of what we could call our atmosphere beyond the firmament. And it shows the idea of, you know, all these weird things being out there. Uh, for me, space is completely misdescribed. For me, where we exist is misdescribed. For me, if it came out of Ma NASA's mouth, it had malintent attached to it. I'm, I'm pretty much on that same tip there. Uh, I always tell people I don't know what space is or what what is out there, but whatever we've been told it is, is wildly false, or at least, you know, mis like you said, misdescribed. Except for um, the chili, the chili peppers told us the truth, believe it or not. Yeah, exactly. There it is. <laughs> True, truer heard, words were never well. spoken. What's in your mind and what's in my mind, uh, we owe to Star Trek, Star Wars, and Hollywood basements. That's that's where we got our ideas. Yeah, it's it's there's like you said, there's no way that we can go up there and prove it for ourselves. So I mean we have telescopes and you know different lenses you can put on it but that only gets you so far too and that brings me to the the eclipse thing so that's always been one i i argue with myself in my head of how how that's possible that when an eclipse happens you can't see the moon you just see you know the sun being eclipsed by it and then you don't see the moon when it passes either and that makes no sense the moon should at least be silhouetted right because the sun's behind it like let's let's break it out let's 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 regurgitate what those geniuses at NASA have convinced us all <laughs> is true. So the sun is at roughly 93 million miles. It is an infinite light source, which is very difficult to look up these days, but that's what kind of light source it is. An infinite light source simply means, uh, I was a stagehand for years. So if I took a spotlight and put it on a person in front of a wall, then move the light, the shadow grows or shrinks, you know, everyone knows what a spotlight does. An infinite light source doesn't do that. Regardless of what you do with the infinite light source, the shadow of the object casting it remains the same. So this is the situation we find when there's an eclipse. In other words, when they try to tell you that the eclipse shadow is 70 miles wide, if that's true information, whatever eclipsed the sun is 70 miles wide. It's that simple. And that is actual light physics. But to get back to the point, 93 million miles for the sun. So it's the brightest thing we know at 93 million miles. However, whatever distance you want to accept the moon from the liars is, we'll just say 340,000, something over a quarter of a million miles. So something over a quarter of a million miles goes in front of something at 93 million miles backlit by the brightest thing that we're aware of. And there's you can't see it. 
and I would point out words have meaning. By definition, when an eclipse is going to occur, you're headed into a new moon. And I'll just ask, have you ever considered why do we call that a new moon? Why isn't that the same old damn moon that we've been looking at for our whole lifetime? Why isn't it the same old moon every human being has ever seen? But it's not. It's a new moon. But you can prove definitively it took me a number of eclipses and I set out to do a single thing. I reasoned that if 93 million mile bright thing is backlitting over a quarter of a million mile rock thing, then I can absolutely see it going into the eclipse, resolve it while it's eclipsing and resolve it after the fact. I took an eight inch scope, an 11 inch scope, a full spectrum camera going both into UV and IR and visual. I took telephoto lenses, any number of solar filters and other things. And I set out to do a single thing, include light obliteration. I also added into that. I set out to simply film this rock being backlit from 93 million miles and it can't be done. And I finished my research in the full solar eclipse of 2017. I think it was August 21, if I'm remembering correctly, of 2017. And uh, I said right there and then, I can demonstrate definitively that the moon plays no role per se in a solar eclipse. It is the nodes that are eclipsing the sun and the Vedics told us the truth. All those, however long ago the Vedics came, came up with the idea of nodes. Yeah, I don't, it, it's so hard to even put these things into words because we don't even know really what we're talking about with what's going on up there. Oh, Jen's gotta go do something real quick. Um, but I love the way that you call it a sky clock. And Ben, I don't know if I told you that, Ben, but uh, Crow's word for everything out there is the sky clock because it moves like gears. It, it just reminds me of the inner workings of a clock. Like everything well, moves the, the pre predictably. Time, and... Yeah, the only time we have, sorry for interrupting, but that is the only legitimate time for this place. Yeah. It, and it's the fact that it's remained unchanged is something we've argued about ad nauseum because it's like, all of these, all everything that happens up there is predictable and has been predictable for, as far as we know, hundreds of thousands of years, or you know, however long people have kept track of it. And they used to keep better track of it back in the day because that was their TV, that was their Sky Netflix. Well, they they had it down to the second. If you want to go back to some of the oldest readings that we can still get our hands on, unfortunately, those have been deciphered had the the translations done probably a lot by jesuits and other people in positions like that um the vatican claims at one point it didn't know the sky clock anymore so they went back to manilius and ptolemy so you know damn well all the texts that we have came through those sources so they're going to scrub stuff you know they are but they had it down to the second um and the idea behind that is you can almost do magical things as a living man or a woman when you understand the sky clock to that level you understand what's possible what's not possible what might happen and what might can ex uh, excuse me succeed not only that with good records uh back through the cycle you can match it up to other points in like areas of the given cycle that you happen to exist in yeah and you've talked before about um plant or uh, picking certain plants or flowers based on like down to the second what would be the best for that plant and its medicinal you know properties that's something that blew me away because to pay that much attention to it that you would know exactly which flower you should pick at what time for its maximum you know benefit is like crazy crazy to a western-minded person you know 
how is it that we've come to that truth that you just spoke? How is it that I'm willing to accept that there are so many horses, horsepower under the hood of my engine? There's no damn horses under there. That's a dead entity. And when I turn it on, corruption will spew from the tailpipe, proving that it is uh, 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 away from nature, opposite nature. And when you go back to your garden, there's no battery change. There's no more tank of gas. That, that will do what it ever did. And it will do it with accordance to the sky clock that is playing the music that we all dance to, whether anyone wants to admit it or not. It's provably true. But to consider back in the day when an elevated mind so in tune with the natural world where, where there is no lie in nature, uh, where the creation and the divinity are on display every day, to understand at a level is to walk out into the garden because somebody's sick, plants over, see a flower that's blue, to instantly understand, oh, it's blue, that's feminine in connotation, negative in aspect. I, I've seen that blue before, so I understand about what the vibration rate is. Is that a dark blue or a light blue? Well, that's a light blue, so I understand that that's pushing to the divine because white took that shade of blue closer. And then you already know this color corresponds with this part of the zodiac and on and on it goes. And so back in the day, there were living men and women who could do the most amazing kind of decision making on the spot from just simply walking into a garden and looking because while you and I are concerned with how we tinker with our horsepower to fix it or get the carburetor to work right these people knew the exact opposite um, of a thing that needs no repair yeah, and that's my favorite thing you always say that there's no lie in nature so it, I guess that's the best way to look at everything like does it fall in line with what nature does otherwise it's an either untrue or it's a, a twisted you know what do they call it inversion whether it's uh you know on purpose or not but it seems like a lot of stuff is well there's there's a choice to be made uh and we're faced with it right now and it poked its ugly head up in 2001 and then it came full force into the light of day on 311 in 2020 um this is about life or death you need to choose a side here. Are you about life or are you going to go with the death-based system? The death-based system is all pervading. I imagine that every era has to deal with this darkness making a run, but this time it's making a damn run. Uh, I don't know if it's got more traction than it has in other areas because I can't remember that far back, but I can tell you certainly that when a corpseration or a speaking corpse um, runs the world, it's a dead thing that has no life that's been given the rights of a living man or a living woman. And that is really the only foundation you need to work from. Because what that was put together was to dismiss a living man or a woman from any responsibility or any concern about living men and women. So they created this egregore, this dead thing, and then they granted it the life, the, the rights of living things. And we can all see how corpserations worked now. Words have meaning, and that prefix tells you what you're dealing with. And the further we slip under the corporatocracy, the kind of cryptocracy that's making a run at every living thing in this world right now, uh, people are going to have to catch on. You better, you better choose a side. Are, are you about life, or are you okay with this death run? I think they've pretty much made that clear with the whole vaccine thing. And yep. 
we we can say vaccine, but uh, yeah, they they made it clear in the last year. Choose a side. Which one are you going to be? And it it's never been more polarized. As if it as if it couldn't get more polarized in the last couple of years. We have this now. Yeah. Did you guys see Shoot the Moon? No, I haven't yet. And I was going to have you plug that at the end or or now, uh, just so that people know where to find it. Because I tried to find it and I had trouble finding it. It's on Vimeo On Demand. Just ping Rose or Jason. They'll give you a free key. I think Rose said she already did, but just ping her again. But I was going to make a point. You'll see a nice, clean-cut, old young man that is my face in HD for a couple hours while I describe the work I did. But my hair is halfway down my back now. And the reason for that is because this system that's going to force you to choose a side, for me to get a haircut, they wanted me to wear a mask and they wanted me to get my temperature taken. And I quickly came to the decision that I don't need that service that bad. And I will never need that service again. And if I get tired of this freaking hippie hair that I'm sporting at this point, I'll just shave my own head. And what it comes down, exactly. What it comes down to is we've been convinced that all these services are so important that we'll sell our damn souls for services. So you can't get on an airplane unless you take this experimental hint, hint, hint jab in your arm is that service really that important to you and a lot of people will say yes it is and woe to those folks whoa um, for me there will never be any decision process i am a living man who was granted the divine spark and free will at my creation at the zygote and then at my birth when i took my first breath and at no time will i let what i was granted and given be modified by a corporation or a dead entity yeah, if more people could do that, I mean, it would probably look a lot different. I mean, I think it, we're lied to so much anyway. I think it, not near as many people are on board with this as we are meant to believe. But I do see a lot of people doing it and just going along with it. And, you know, Ben was talking the other day about how his little uh, daughter, she's three. Is she three now? Yeah, three, three last April. But yeah, she she reminded him on the way into the store, like, oh, daddy, mask, we got to do the mask. Thing. Like, it's gone down to that level where even a three-year-old is, like, so pummeled with this shit that they, well, they're reminding the adult, you know? Let me, let me explain that a little bit. Uh, last year was a different situation uh, for me. Um, I was still on a, a naval base, and uh, that's where we lived, and we couldn't get away from much less the state... California state mandates, much less living on a federal base. And uh, their mom was on deployment at the time. Uh, I don't know if you were familiar with the Corona Cruise, the ship that the Roosevelt that got tagged over in, uh, in Guam for isolation with a Rona outbreak. Um, we were going into uh, the Jetmar on base for some things. And it, that's when it all kind of hit me. Because until that moment, I was consumed with life and, and just going through the, you know, going through the motions. And uh, when she got out of the car um, and at the, this time she was barely two and, um, you know, tried to remind me to, for me to get her mask out is I was like, okay, this, no, this isn't okay. My two-year-old has already been conditioned that when she gets out of the car to go in public, she needs a mask. Um, fuck that. I'm not right. doing that. Right. I'm, I'm assuming you might be talking about San Diego as the base you were stationed, which I'm very familiar with. No, uh, we were not in Coronado. We were in uh, Naval Air Station Lemoore. 
but I have been, I have been to Coronado. It's not, I mean, none of them are any better if you're in California. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was a Marine, so I know, I know what you're on about there. Um, there you go. <laughs> but, but here's the thing about the evil plan. Um, you know, for you and I, we're just being inconvenienced at a level that's going to weed out the completely brain dead people who probably won't go on too much further in this run, um, depending on what comes of all this natural selection. Yeah, this this experimental medicine is certainly going to have an outcome. And I've interviewed people recently, say two, three years, you're going to start seeing um, what the result of that is. But my point here is, is Ben, when you are dead and gone. I will probably have been dead and gone for 20 years or more because I'm looking like I'm at least 30 years older than you, um, if I had to guess, and your daughter will be what's left. And that indoctrination in that fresh new mind that's imprinting for life will be what they bet on in the beginning. Right. And so this is always generational. The game that's being played here, I always call it the long game. Yep. I, I can track it back to before Hollywood existed. I can show you movies from the golden era of Hollywood encoding the 9-11 idea in scenes. Um, this goes way back. And this is, I mean, let's call it what it is. It's the essence of darkness. It's evil. It's things that you can't fathom why a living man or a woman would do them because they are against life. So that tells you that there's more at play here than meets the eye. And there's no denying that, but to prove out exactly what we're contending with is a whole other thing. And if you want to get an idea, go read books like The Light of Egypt. Go read what the older authors way back in the day that lived and existed within the sky clock scope. Oh, summer's coming. Got to do what I got to do. Oops, fall's coming. Got to harvest. Winter's coming. If we don't have enough food, we're going to starve. Certainly going to have to kill things. Winter's here. Um, this is the reality. This is the foundational proof that the sky clock is playing the music we all dance to. But my main point here is uh, the run that's being made now is going to try to replace all that is with all that isn't. And all this artificial crap that you and I use daily and many of us become addicted to it's fugazi and it is as far away from nature as you can be uh, if you learn something from your cell phone i'd bet dollars to donuts you might as well just spit it out dig a hole and bury it because that's how much value you've got if you learn something in a field because you saw a bird or a tree you can bank that in your mind for the rest of your life and it will never be wrong totally agree uh in regards to the sky clock we have a friend named Micah Dank that wanted us to give give you his info and possibly to do an interview with him because he's a he does astro theology, so he ties like the stories in the Bible and other things to directly to the constellations and the stars. So I told him I'd uh, talk to you about that. I'll send Rose uh, his info, but right, kick it to Rose. She, she, yeah, she does all my schedule, and I mean we're so booked up all the time. Just get it to Rose, and she's the first line that gets everything going. Awesome. I just told, I, I promised him I'd do that. So, Ben, you got some? Oh, not really. I, will, I, I shot into my head and then I was just not going to say it. But uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm really glad that Joe <laughs> sent me the uh, episode that you did on the traffic stop uh, for the gentleman that uh, talked to the police officer about uh, not needing his registration and his license and, and all of that. Uh, all enslaved. I, Yes, uh, I, I had never heard of you or your show, and as was already said, I don't listen to podcasts. Uh, 
I try not, I do try not to live under a rock, but um, I am also very much the cynic uh, because of the conditioning that uh, we've all kind of been raised in. Uh, but I like learning. So I, I'm glad that you're on the show. Thanks for coming on. And uh, I may not have as many questions. And if I do, they're going to sound really lame and stupid. I don't know Fine, if I agree with listen. that. Yeah, but I'll tell you a thing. <laughs> um, I, I'm not right all the time. I'm a human being. I'm probably wrong as much or more than anyone else you'll meet, but we don't lay down a thing that isn't well-researched. And if I know I've made a mistake, I immediately come back to yes. correct that. But at the end of the day, everything we do is designed for you to challenge it because you do not think in the same way as right. the other two joining us here. And so things that might be of value to one of the three of you might not to the other two. And so this is what the internet has killed. Like how many times have you seen, oh man, I was watching this guy and I agreed and was learning so much. And then he said this thing I don't agree with. So I got out my shotgun, killed it, buried it in the backyard, threw out the baby with the bathwater and everything he said is BS now. This is a huge mistake. When I do my research, I don't think I can recall in recent memory ever doing research anywhere where I agreed 100% with the source. Uh, here, I'll use the Rosicrucians as a good example. To me, the Rosicrucians are about as racist a place as you can be. Um, they're all about the Aryan thing, and this is the age of Aryans, but I want to know what they know about the sky clock. I don't give a damn about how they think certain races are elevated above others. I, I don't care one bit about that, and it won't affect my thinking process, but I do want to get at what their views on the sky clock was. And so this is a critical thing in the age of the internet because the training on the internet is look for a fault, look for a fault. When you find right. a fault, throw all that crap out. And that is a psyop at the highest level. Can you quickly explain Rosicrucian? I've never heard that term before. It's a secret society per se that's not a lot different than Masons, maybe. It's just that they're never as mainstreamed. Um, an author I just interviewed, Michael Hoffman, would tell you they're a, an offshoot of the Vatican. Um, but they're basically a members-only society that has to do with metaphysical ideas. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Okay. Are they still around today? Yes. Oh, wow. I thought that was like from hundreds of years ago. It's hard to know what the, you know, the psychological operations want you to dismiss or feel iffy about <laughs> mm -hmm. it, but it does. So even if no one was actually a Rosicrucian, the ideas are still with us. Yeah. No, I, we love talking about that and how much history you can actually believe. And I think I've heard you say before that probably a couple hundred years ago, we don't know what happened before that. Maybe even less than that. If, uh, if you I, don't, if you don't know your grandparents or your great grandparents that have direct experience, then you don't know nothing. Excuse me, anything about that period of time. And Napoleon Bonaparte, whoever he may have been, told the absolute truth when he said history is a lie agreed upon. Yep, and it's written by the victors, so obviously it's going to be skewed, you know, a lot. Well, and the more that we end up talking to guests and learning more, which is, you know, that's my entire thing is I enjoy learning. I enjoy getting people that think completely differently than I do because it splits my head wide open. And I, for one, actually kind of enjoy that shit. Um, but I'm kind of getting more to the point where I'm like, I'm not so sure we actually go back farther than 1890. Uh, the more that, you know, we keep talking to people, I'm like, Everything could have just, like you said, a lie that was agreed upon of, of what we were going to teach after that. And uh, 
I don't know, everything in this last year, the wedge that got driven globally between people this last year made me go, I don't trust anything. And that's new for me. That's new. So the, the not trusting everything and learning and allowing different ideas in and of itself was a huge step. Uh, but I, I'm getting to a point now where uh, after talking to several of our guests that I'm like, man, I'm not so sure that we actually go back as far as everybody is saying, or at least if it does, it's not in the way that we have been told about. Good on you, Ben. That's a bit like the fish looking at the fish hook. I can grab the bait and I'm hooked. And then it's very hard to get unhooked. That's similar to people who believe in things. Some people cannot unbelieve things. And you're looking at the hook saying, I'm not going to bite that. Is that a hook? So that's where it all begins. And if you look at everything that way, I think you get hooked a hell of a lot less minimally. Well, and of course, the fear is, do, you know, if, if, is to continue the metaphor, is not biting the hook going to make me go hungry? you know, what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is biting the hook, getting that maybe that food, but at what cost? So obviously the unknown is, well, what happens when I don't bite it? Where am I going to get that next meal? What, and, you know, I mean, meal isn't like, you know, knowledge wise, but like, where, right, and where are you going to? That's the fear too. Right. And that's the fear. That, that's how it's so much easier to control right. people through that fear of not knowing, you know, if you don't bite the hook. But it's, it's ironic. Funny because well, it's, they, I was just, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say it's ironic because nature is always here and nature provides everything we need. So as we feel like I'm going to lose these things I can't replace, we forget that we could simply walk out our front door and there's the same thing that's always been there, the foundation of our existence, um, the cause for us to exist at all. Um, and that's part of what synthetic systems do. Synthetic systems or artificial or Fugazi systems seek to almost addict you in a way that convinces you that without, like your cell phone's a good example. I mean, if I took your cell phone right now and smashed it, I'm guessing your heart would drop through your stomach. You'd be thinking, oh my God, all those people I know um, that are in there, just everything. But the truth is, in the larger scope of things, if you looked at it for what it is, and you would realize that your life really hasn't changed. You just wanted all those contacts um, as a kind of crappy example. But I think you see where I'm going. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, I'd be more like, hey, man, you fucking owe me 950 bucks. But uh, at, the same, <laughs> at the same time, I, I, I do look at it as when you finally um, politely uh, decline the general information uh, that we've been given. It's kind of like fasting. Uh, to go mm. back to the metaphor of not taking that meal that's just getting dangled right in front of you because it's easy and it's what's being told is the is the way is the thing that you should do um when you end up getting uh, accepting and making that choice like you were talking about you have a choice to make once you've done that um just that alone changes your receptiveness to your perception it's not the idea that your perception right then and there maybe changes on everything around you but what it does is you're now opening the door to the idea of your perception changing and as soon as that happens like we've said it a million times on the show once you see it you can't unsee it and uh once once your once your mind is open enough to at least not even necessarily accept but receive and logically think about new information like it could be valid that alone changes everything because you're actually supposing that no matter what it is that you hear that goes against your grain your personal uh ideological grain 
that alone will change exactly how you think about everything you've already experienced and what's coming after. I, I like it, Ben, and I would draw this kind of allegory. If you go to your front door and you turn left, and then you go to your front door and you turn right, from the decision of that left or right, the entirety of your life following on has been changed. If you would have stood there and not every other thing that will happen. So I've often called all new information as being drugged to the crossroad, which it is. Um, you all remember the rock and roll song, you know, go poor Bob Johnson goes down to the crossroad to sell his soul to the devil, which is actually yes. the, the entire song is an allegory for the sky clock and the low point of the sun at the winter solstice. I've broken it down, but here's the thing. Every piece of new information forces you into an unenviable position. It drags you to the crossroad. And when you are drugged to the crossroad, there are only five choices. You can go back the way you came, you can go straight, you can go left, you can go right, or you can sit on your butt right where you are till the day you die. Those are the only options. And so when you begin to realize that every piece of information is constantly dragging you to the crossroads, you begin to get a lot more high-minded, more, more, you use your higher mind to begin to parse what's gonna come next. And what I like to say is so often, you don't have an easy way to know right off the bat, particularly when you're getting started. When you don't have your inner barometer tuned up to a higher human level, you may have no idea what's best. And what I suggest you do at that point is you put the information in your back pocket, choosing not to throw it away and not to accept it like putting it in a neutral spot until you can do something with it. Um, but most human beings that begin to challenge everything get this inner knowing. And the thing about inner knowing is you can't share it with your neighbor. Just because <laughs> I inner know something, I can't share it with others around me. But I know damn well something's burning in the kitchen. I know to the core of my being, something is on fire in the kitchen. I don't even know what it is. Is it a pie? Is it what's burning? I don't know, but I know that something is burning in the kitchen. And as your discretion builds the inner you, almost immediately within a few seconds, a few words, a couple notes of a song, you hear that bell ring or you hear that flat note. And when you hear that flat note, you've already won half the battle because what you know is this is fugazi. This is unuseful. Why do I need to know more about an unuseful thing? Um, and so that's what I can offer. I love that uh, idea of taking a neutral stance on basically any information you receive yeah. because you, you have to, especially now. And Ben's learned that over the last year or so too, is like, you can't really believe anything anymore, but you, you also can't not believe it. So you just have to collect as much as you can and you know decide for yourself what you do with that and uh we had a guy on just to kind of segue into that we had a guy named david weiss on that's a huge flat earth guy Good and yeah so what is your opinion I, I tried to put it in my head to ask you about this because we, we watch satellites a lot because uh jen has a ham license and uh she's been learning how to like bounce signals off the satellites and the iss and all that how how does that work in your opinion, the the whole idea that they're circling around, because I mean, if we're talking about a plane we live on, whether it's flat Earth or not, doesn't matter. But how how does that work, and how are they predictable, and how do they 
How does it? Yeah, I just I don't even know how else to I put know, that. I what, to ask what's that your question, opinion actually, on it? Because I'm not. I don't feel one way or the other about it. I don't care if we're on a flat Earth or a round Earth. It does not matter to me at all. So I'm not going to argue with anyone about it. I just get confused when we see all these things flying around, and it's like, how? Where does it go? Where does it come from? Why is there such thing as like a horizon if it's flat? Unless it's just so far away from us that we can't see it. I don't know. All right. Well, those are good starting points and they're always sticking points because people will always lean back to what science told them is correct about this. I was a radio operator in the Marine Corps, so I know something Thanks. about using radios. We went out on an op one night and they informed us we were going to bounce a signal off the moon. And we went out there and lo and behold, the signal went where it was going and we were told you bounced it off the moon. Yeah, poppycock. I did not shoot a radio signal 340,000 miles out of our atmosphere through a supposed vacuum of space <laughs> and ricochet. It's complete poppycock. The, the amount of power, it's like the laser BS they put on you. Do you know how much power would have to be in a light beam or anything else to even start to resemble a beam of anything at that distance? And here's what I can tell you. We would go on Okinawa to shoot a signal to a different country and as a matter of fact, we shot one back to the mainland United States. And what we were told was we we're bouncing off the ionosphere down to the water, up to the ionosphere and around and around till we hit our signal. And it works. We talked to someone a long ways away. So my question to them at that point was, well, if I just shot this signal off the ionosphere, how did we get through the ionosphere to bounce it off the moon? That was my first question. But then I started looking into the ionosphere. And I realized this is just more lies piled on lies. What the ionosphere has been described as, and this changes all the time, is it's a band of charged particles. But here's the rub. If you ask where space starts, you won't get an answer. Usually someone will say the Kármán line or 60 kilometers or whatever random number they want to throw at you. No one can quite tell you where space begins, but the ionosphere starts, according to old information, 30 to 40 miles above your head, and it goes 1,500 miles, in other words, well into space. So wait a minute, charged particles are now in the vacuum of space? I mean, it's, it starts to get to the, the point where you're realizing when you get back to your human common sense mind, I got to swallow so much BS just to get to the, the crunchy center of this Tootsie Pop here, and I'm not doing it. My point would be, is if we were bouncing off the ionosphere, then how does any radio signal ever not bounce off the ionosphere? Um, the point is, is I know certainly, well, let me go back around. If you watch Shoot the Moon, you'll see this endless litany of little objects I shot. When I look back now, I think what you're looking at is the precursors to a Skynet, literally a Skynet. These little things are up there all the time. When I first started shooting, I thought satellites existed. And then I started trying to track them. And then I started learning about how they're tracked. And then I realized it's all a lie and they're admitting it's a lie because they'll tell you we're tracking all these satellites, but it's not even accurate. And any logical mind can realize that if the trajectory of a supposed satellite described as a satellite is described was a fraction of a degree off on one or two revolutions, it would be in a different part of anywhere near to where it's being tracked. If the timing was off, if any of it is off, you're not tracking it because that multiplies, right? Each spin around the supposed globe, it would be further and further off. So what I did is I used their tracking stuff to say, well, I'm gonna wait for one to transit the moon and I'm gonna film it. 
and I never could. And then a couple times I got one that was like a few minutes off and then I accepted that. I said, well, they told me it was gonna be this time, but it did, this thing I shot transited the moon, it was just five minutes late. And that's what got me going because how could something be tracked and be five minutes late? That error would compound you know, to the nth degree. So what I learned was to apply logic. There are no satellites in space and it's easy to prove. When I started doing this, I searched how many satellites are in space, Google please. And they said 25 to 30,000 satellites are in space. We're not sure how many of those are broken. Go search right now, how many satellites are in space. It'll be like one or 2000. So you're telling me in 2013, there were 25 to 30,000 satellites. And now they've just kind of put down the memory hole because the internet was the record of that or mostly the record of that down to a couple thousand. And then I started to ask the hard questions. Wait a minute. If supposedly the ISS is in low earth orbit, let's say between one and 200 miles, could I see it? Can I see something one to 200 miles away? Is that possible? And if I had a light, how bright would that light have to be for me to see something one or 200 miles away? And then the levee broke because the Huffington Post, who used to steal my footage and get away with it because they called their self news, ran a piece where they say this crow character clearly doesn't know his equipment or what the hell he's talking about. And by the way, we got this FBI expert and the head of MUFON. But don't ask me how an FBI guy knows anything about scopes or any of this. And then the MUFON guy who's trying to convince you that gray aliens are coming down to probe your rectum. These are the people they hold up as their experts. And I'd had enough at that point because I dedicated endless hours, like half a decade of my life filming day and night. So I went and I found an optics expert and he's maybe the most brilliant mathematician I've ever met. He worked at a scope shop and we took my exact camera, the exact chipset, the exact mirrors and scope type I was using. And we calculated that if a single pixel was at 22,000 geosynchronous orbit, how big would the object have to be? And so we did that because they said these things crow filmed is clearly, clearly a satellite in half geosynchronous orbit. So that's 11,000 miles. Um, so I'm filming things that are 11,000 miles away. So for common sense, that's pretty unbelievable. So what I calculated told me that if what they said was true and this little dot that I had filmed was at 11,000 miles, it would be five times the size of the ISS and everything changed. And that's when I began to realize everything I have ever filmed is within my atmosphere, except maybe the luminaries or stars, however that actually works out. But these things are in our atmosphere. And if you want to do common sense things, you could go to a mountaintop with a million, pan, million candle power Q-beam. That's pretty bright light, right? Um, and put someone 10 miles away. Can you see that Q-beam? You're going through a little more atmosphere probably than people are going to tell you as you go up, up and up. But the point is, is common sense has to leave the building for you to accept satellites. And then I simply asked a simple question. If there are 25 to 30,000 satellites at the time, why haven't any of these magical astronauts in the ISS poked their HD iPhone out the window to film an amazing satellite doing what amazing satellites do? There is no video footage. And the entire time I've been doing this, no one has ever presented actual video of a satellite in space doing what it does. This later led 
for me to create Crow's Law of High Definition. And this is one of the rules that I employ, employ to not be fooled my whole life. Crow's Law of High Definition goes thusly. If a thing truly exists in this world and can be filmed in high definition, it will be filmed in high definition. So that was a long way around. Definitely now, yeah. Yeah. So, so what do you think they are then? Because we can definitely see something up there. Are they on balloons? Because I think that's David Weiss's idea is that they're all just like floating around in balloons in our atmosphere, which I don't contend that they aren't in our atmosphere. It very well could be. But what the hell are those things that we see flying around up there? Well, some, some of them are provably balloons. Go look up Google's Project Loon and they'll show satellites being launched on balloons. But Back in the day before everything that mattered got scrubbed off YouTube, one of those satellite balloons fell in a jungle, said NASA right on the side of it, if I remember correctly. And there oh, wow. was a sat satellite hanging from a balloon that someone filmed and they put it up. And this led to all kinds of people going back and even looking at rocket launch footage that was passed off as rocket launch, which was pretty clearly a balloon with a little Hollywood magic put around it. Wow, it's crazy. It's like, uh, it's almost like Disney owns NASA. I don't, I don't know if I'd have used the word almost, but I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, but just to wildly side trail here, we had a couple questions in our Discord, and uh, this is a loaded one, so answer however you want. He just said, question for Crow, what's his thought on Jesus Christ? So if you didn't want a more loaded question, there you go. <laughs> That, that's not so loaded a question for me. This is what I think. Um, and this is how I live my life. A living man or a living woman that wants to reach the highest potentiality has to recognize the innate spiritual quality that is granted to a living man or a woman at their birth. I refer to it as the divine spark. Free will comes with that divine gift. And if you choose to decide there is no spiritual side of things, it is my point of view that you're going to spin around for a lot longer until you come around. Um, there is the apex, one of the apex concerns of being a living man or woman is understanding the spiritual ladder we have to climb. And beyond that, I'm not qualified, nor do I care to tell you how you get there. But I will say that in my view, I don't give a darn where you were born in this world. That culture has been provided a way to get up the ladder. That's my point of view. Nice. Oh, I did have one more thing I wanted to ask you, actually, again, in regards to space, because we don't we talk about space a lot, but never with somebody who's actually been observing it for 20 years or however long you've been doing this. Um, so the moon, <laughs> I was thinking the other day, I'm like, how does a rocket in space, especially, you know, going to the moon, it leaves our atmosphere, it's in the vacuum of space. How are those engines, the rocket engines working in space? Because they're burning, right? They need oxygen to burn. I could be way off on that, but I'm just, I was just trying to figure out because they got to the moon, right? You know, what we're told. Then they somehow got back from the moon with enough fuel to make it all the way back to Earth. Pretty amazing, man. 340,000 miles or whatever it was and thing wrapped in tinfoil. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, I went <laughs> no to the shit. Johnson Space Center and looked at this thing and it's beyond laughable. And what's even worse <laughs> is they upsized the one in the Space Center um, because it needed to for display because the little mini one they were showing that, by the way, they, they got a go-kart in that thing somewhere too. But here, here's what oh, I would yeah. ask. So it, maybe it would be possible in a vacuum if you had onboard oxygen or some oxygen mix to burn, but the real question is what's it pushing against 
doesn't matter what you burn or what you exhaust, there's no atmosphere to push against. And this has been demonstrated. People did very simple demonstrations like using a blown up balloon in a vacuum. And you know, you put a straw on a little wheeled vehicle and let the balloon out gas to push the vehicle in a vacuum, it doesn't move. Yeah, I was gonna say it should be pretty easy to do a uh, some kind of experiment. You know, they have vacuums on Earth and it's, put a it's little been, mini rocket in there, see if it works. It's been done. It's just that these are the things where you get called crazy, or you know, you're a conspiracy theorist, or these types of things. Space is misdescribed, and I went on the record. I think when I first got back out to Rhode Island sometime around 2016, and I stated vehemently that I think space would be better described as a liquid. And all this time later, I think the idea that they push about dark matter, I think what they're actually hiding is uh, what we might want to call ether or a version, a more ethereal version of ether. Um, but people say, well, why wouldn't it mix? And so it's the old as above below idea. We're very dense and gross and 3D down because we are the below. Above us, it would be more, I don't have the words, etheric. Um, in other words, that kind of water wouldn't mix with gross 3D water. It'd be like oil and water trying to mix them. Um, but if you go take apart language, this is how I did it, by the way. So I knew it was misdescribed, but I couldn't go get any further with my telescopes and my cameras. So I said, I've got a problem. How do I, how do I deal with this problem? I want to know what is space? And they're lying to me, and I know they're lying to me. And then it dawned on me, mind precedes everything. In this world, I have proven to myself, and I accept it with all my being, that my mind precedes every other thing I will ever perceive. So I realized and reasoned that if I took some media communication that affected the most minds in the world that had to do with space, I could take apart the language. And so by random, I said, I know a good one. How about JFK's we're going to the moon speech? It deals with space. It hit more minds than anything else in this world. Let's take it apart. Here we go. It took me all of about five minutes to realize that I was going to make the statement space is probably better described as liquid because it says we set sail on this new ocean. <laughs> you know, it's all nautical language. Um, Spaceship. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to float. <laughs> Jen, uh, I, I'm interested to see, do you have any uh, specific questions? Cause you're, you're better at uh, doing that. And I kind of wanted to hear what, uh, if you have any response for uh, Crow's idea of the uh, of the space or the uh, ISS and things of that nature, well, I am an open-minded person, so again, I'm not saying you're wrong, they're right. Like I don't know any answers, but I have tracked the ISS and bounced off the repeater and talked to other people kind of close by, like where the repeater goes. Like I've heard them and it comes in at a certain time and it goes out at a certain time. I, I just was wondering how that's explained. I've heard signals coming from other satellites too that I've tracked that I've, I haven't bounced a signal off of it. I haven't put a signal up to it, but I've found the frequency uplink downlink and I've heard the signal coming from it. And it's only sometimes I, my radio has a little antenna, so it's hard sometimes to get in the right spot, but it's not all the time. It's only when it's over me and then it's gone. There's, I mean, is there? So let's, let's use the old idea of Siegfried and Roy are gonna fly a white tiger 
across the stage in Vegas and there's three or four types of people, the first person's going to say, oh my God, I just saw magic. How in the hell did that white tiger fly across the stage? The next guy's going to say, well, I know it's fake. I have no idea how he did the trick. I guess that's a pretty good trick. And the next guy's going to say, this is completely a mind leading thing. It's not really a flying tiger. It's trying to fool my mind into thinking it. And then they'll logically try to figure out, well, how did they make the illusion? This is a similar thing that you're talking about. I have filmed the ISS or the light they call the ISS. As a matter of fact, I, I saw it, physically saw it with an eyepiece and it takes less than a second to transit the half of degree of sky called the moon. And guess what? It's in about the shape you'd expect it to be in. I've seen others who have filmed it transiting the moon. And by the way, if you ever see a picture of something of an ISS transiting the moon, it better be black or it's fake because the backlighting will ensure that it appears dark color. I've filmed so many things, I can tell you this. So what you're basically saying is you can't do it all the time. There's a limited window of where you can do it. You're given a frequency. So as, an op as a person who understands radio, you understand that anything on that particular channel you could communicate with and that you can't possibly know where it is. You don't know what's replying to that signal. And my theory at this point is that it is one of the many hundreds or thousands of these little objects that are constantly above us. If you watch Shoot the Moon, there's, I don't know how many we included in the film, but here's the rub. For me to have filmed all those objects, what I was looking at, if, if I hold my hand, my pinky up at arm's length, the tip of my finger, it's a half of degree sky. That's what I'm looking at. And I filmed all these things transiting the moon. So that pretty much tells us that the sky must be full of these things. Because for me to pick them up in half a degree of the entire sky and do it regularly pretty much dictates. So there are these objects that we can't see up there all the time. And the ISS is just another one of these things. And by the way, I've had some people say they went out to try to interact or film or do something with it and it wasn't where it was supposed to be. Um, but I don't spend that much time on it because I know one thing for sure. A lie needs protection till the end of time. A truth does not. A truth needs no protection. They have been caught so many times with their fake astronauts on green screens, on wire systems. Um, I got busted because some girl on the supposed ISS was going to teach us how to wash her hair. And she's up in the ISS just flinging water all around the inside of that thing. Little bubbles. Go, who gives a damn? And by the way, I was in the military and I've seen police. Even on those low level jobs, you got to get a haircut. This girl's got hair halfway down her back. And when I took it apart, I did a very good job to show that there were 36 cuts in a two minute video. And then I also did another thing. I realized I could hear the plane engine in the background as they ramped up the vomit comet and ramped down the plane engine. And what they did is they masked it with a soundtrack and then even more clever, the soundtrack was copywritten. So when I did the breakdown, I got nailed for copyright, not because of NASA, but because of the people who provided the audio track to try to cover the plane engine. So here's my, my thing. If a thing is real, why are you lying about it? Because I can demonstrate 100% that that clip is a put up. 
there are endless clips that have been taken apart with Chinese wire systems, like in Hong Kong cinema, and getting caught green screening. There are even tons of films where people misspoke as they're faking like they're an astronaut. Like one guy said, oh, it's just two miles from where I am right now. And then he got that look on his face and realized he just misspoke on a live feed. Um, oh, shit. There, is no, there is no need to lie because you're doing this amazing thing. You're in amazing you're amazingly weightless. So what would actually happen? I'll tell you what would happen. Someone would get an HD camera and say, look at this amazing achievement. And what actually happens is we get these faked films. And what that further tells us is once you have caught someone in a lie of certain magnitude, you can no longer accept any word from that mouth ever again. And this is another way to learn how to detect if you're being lied to. As an example, if the TV says something, I instantly know that it is untrustable and should be immediately cast aside. And the reason I know that is because the television has told some of the biggest whoppers of our time from 9-11 to the moon landing. So that's what I would add about the satellites. And to be very specific, when you get on a radio frequency, not only do you not know where you're projecting it to, you have no idea where the response is coming from. And so if it simply was just other things that you can't see up there that you're communicating or Lord knows, but it's baffling because it's almost always a light, but I'll tell you one thing for sure. Um, that light, when you follow it from the horizon, it starts to glow. The idea behind that is the panels are reflecting sunlight and it gets bright and sometimes it turns on and off in, in from from over the horizon before it reaches the other one, it'll glow up and then dim down. Other times it'll glow up and dim down. Um, if you begin to analyze what you're seeing and calculate where the sun would be, you'll begin to see problems with that. But here's the ultimate. Every time I've seen it filmed in front of the moon, if it's a light before it's backlit, then how come I can't see the light go up to the moon, go out because now the moon's brighter and I see a black thing. It's all shenanigans. I can't tell you exactly how Siegfried and Reuter are making the tiger fly, but I can assure you the tigers don't fly. Yeah, that's our general stance on things. Uh, obviously, we've been lied to a lot, so that's what makes me question things like satellites or the ISS. Like, I don't know, they're way better at CGI now, too. Can you imagine if the moon landing happened today? It would look amazing, I'm sure, because they can do a lot of stuff in a, in a Hollywood basement. So well, they let's, had ask, let's ask that technology. question. Why, why, why can't we have a moon landing today? They did it in an era without computers. We've got all this technology at our fingertips and we can't possibly. So China fake landed one and their radio and camera went down in five seconds. They fake land these other things on Mars. Um, and you know you get this limited footage of a rock or, or whatever. It's all a put up. If you, if you are a, a logical person, put yourself in charge of that mission. All right, this is real. I really have a rover on the moon. What would I do? What, what would you expect a real life situation to present? And what you always get is a bridged fakery, <laughs> basically. I would love for you to uh, debate Neil my ass Tyson sometime. That would be hilarious. You know, I'm, I'm not really into defaming people, but I am so <laughs> unimpressed with what he's about. Um, that I would never even make open slot for my time for that man. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm interested in talking about things that help people consider what might be or what might not be. And all that man has done is unhelpful from my point of view. And since I'm not God, I have no authority to defame him on the air. 
I don't appreciate what he does, but anyhow. I think I think one of my biggest uh, logical questions were if if we did it so long, if we landed on the moon, you know, so long ago, uh, usually whenever something pioneers, there's a flood and insurgence of doing it again and again and again until that's just now a part of who we are as a species. So the fact that we haven't gone back um, it, it, with the growth in technology um, and everything else is I'm like, okay, if we could do it back then, why haven't we gone back? And I right. don't have an answer for that. I Neither do, does NASA yeah, doesn't either. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because they're lying, but I can tell you too. Well, yeah, obviously that part. So let's say Werner von Braun and let's say moon rocks. Do you know the moon rocks Apollo brought back? Every one of them that's been analyzed has been proven fake. Um, go look it up online. It's an easy thing to do. But let's talk about Mr. Werner von Disneyland man, von Braun. When I was young, he used to go on Sunday night Disney and show us what was coming next in space. Do those two things logically jive with everybody? So the head scientist for rocketry in space is gonna go to Disneyland to show us. And by the way, all the amazing things he showed us, almost none of them ever came true. But here's the kick. Here's the kick in the kilo about Werner von Braun. He had the balls to lie to us, to our face for his living years, but he left us the truth on his tombstone. On his tombstone, he left his name, his birth and death, death date, and a psalm. And I always get the number right, but it encodes 9-11, of course. I think it's 191 um, psalm. And what it says is, the firmament showeth the, the handiwork and glory of God. So which is it, Werner? Did you put your Saturn Vs into space, or is there a firmament? You tell me, buddy. I'll take your deathbed statement. I think you told us the truth on your headstone. Yeah, why not? Because he's going to be gone by then. It's left for us to question until the end of time. Thanks, buddy. Well, we're at, a, at an hour here, man, so we'll let you go. Uh, we appreciate your time so much. Uh, I was really looking forward to this one. I, we we kind of have a conversational style show. Like, I didn't actually line up any questions. It's just stuff that popped into my head. So uh, next time, we'll, we'll, maybe we can have more of a pointed topic. Uh, but I, I, lo I love talking to people like this, so we appreciate it. I'm happy to come back to any place where people want to have a discussion or are polite. Those two things will go a long way getting me anywhere. But I, I've got one question for you. Um, what is or why is the bat legit? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, We can make it a quick story. We, we've told it a couple times, but it's a... Uh, it was originally a dick joke from uh, a TV show back in the day. He was talking about his dad's wiener, and he's like, oh, he has a legit bat. So that translated into something else where the first time Jen came to visit us because uh, she see that's another story too anyway yeah. first time Jen came here my roommate at the time had a baseball bat and he thought it was hilarious he's like hey write legit on this bat so we have a legit bat it long story short it's hanging in our house right now <laughs> and uh the reason we named the show that is because we used to use the legit bat as like a, a scepter for like for whoever said the wittiest or funniest thing of the night they got the legit bat passed to them, and then they'd pass it to the next person. So it was just—it was a dumb inside joke. Well, and, and, the, and the kicker, the kicker for that was who all was involved. This thing about the legit bat getting passed along. When they got married, uh, our roommate at the time that he was speaking of was the person to marry them. And so at the very end, right before they walked back down the aisle, he gave Jen the legit back like a final, "Hey, you won." 
so <laughs> i got to marry this guy hey <laughs> <laughs> well i figured i'd be remiss if i went on the legit bat and didn't even understand what a legit bat oh. was so now i know uh, it's dad dick <laughs> Long story short, it's a wiener, but it's it's just kind of a funny thing, but it doesn't really have to do with what we're talking about. It's a, on the it's show, a total so non sequitur to our show, but you know, whatever. We also started the show as like we used to sit around the fire and talk yes. and we just kind of wanted to make it that where we're all three talking with a new friend to hear new information and new opinions and kind of just have a fireside conversation. As soon as Ben came up with the name for the podcast <laughs> as that, I'm like I think that's it. Why not? <laughs> I mean, we used to all sit around the fire, drink, and we could hold on conversations like this about fucking anything for hours. And we did it on our own time, sometimes every night when we all lived together. So the idea of, of us doing this and then just recording it, kind of monologuing these conversations was where it started. And then having new people with brand new ideas come in to continue or generate a new long conversation like that was, you know, the idea behind the podcast it, we didn't really have an agenda for a platform. The coolest part is that we own Google with our name. If you, if yeah, you we Google do. our name, like it's just all us. <laughs> you know, that's that's actually funny because I did a search just to see what some of the topics just a few minutes before I came on and I wrote legit bat and it started giving me all these sports returns. And then I put podcast and you guys pwned it. Uh, yeah. Just, just so you know, that's what I just yeah, I think saw. it's legit bat podcast. You have to type podcast yeah. at the end. That is... Apparently, there's other yeah. legit bats out there in the world. There's there's Who'd a legit watermelon bat. There's a whole company that makes legit bats. I really want to buy one because they're really funny, but they have all these weird names. There is a lot of other legit bats out there. There's a lot of dad dick out there. <laughs> I knew you were going there. All right, man. Well, there you go. Everywhere there's a kid, you know, that's true, I guess. Yeah. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll leave everybody with this. White tigers are really rare, but never do they fly. And that's just a fact. But I want to thank that you guys be the name for of the show. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe. I, I want to thank you guys so much. And I guess I'll wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher minded new era, man. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you so much. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.